Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and my guest today is a celebrity fitness trainer and creator of the famed AK Workouts. These workouts utilize rope, dance, body, and baby bump. She took her experience from years of performing on Broadway and with the Radio City Rockettes to create and launch the one-of-a-kind workout craze AK. Oh, and she just became a mom, too. Amanda Klutz, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. And you brought Elvis. I did, yes. <laughs> he's, he's here. Uh, he's right next door in the sound booth. You can hear him. <laughs> um, so first of all, as always, your energy walked into the room about eight minutes before you got here. You have big energy. Oh, you thank remind you. me of a nuclear-powered submarine. Like, <laughs> I think you can go for nine years without refueling. <laughs> Um, I need to know everything. You have such an interesting history and an interesting present and an interesting future, I'm sure. Thank you. And I want to talk about everything. Broadway, Rockettes, AK with an exclamation point. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Pregnancy, birth, postpartum. So let's jump right in. Where are you from? Canton, Ohio, originally. Ah, you're the one. Uh, (laughs) Ohio. What was it growing up in Ohio like? It was fantastic. You know, I I only wish I could give that same experience to Elvis. Um, I lived in a beautiful neighborhood with lots of trees and we walked to school, which was down the street next to the Dairy Queen. And my family's sort of like the Brady Bunch. And it's just, you know, it was kind of the best thing ever. Brady Bunch, and how many of you are there? There's five of us total, one boy, four girls, and and my mom and dad. Oh, wow. Where'd your brother, where'd he go to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> he was the firstborn, and then the four girls came after. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a gift. <laughs> yeah. So I guess he would say he was the one that had a hard time. <laughs> Which one are you? I was second to last, and then my mom had a baby at 40, unexpected. So my little sister is seven years younger than me. Oh, no kidding. And, you know, at the time, that was 1988 that she got pregnant. Women, you know, getting pregnant at 40 was like, you know, it was very scary. Mm. Um, you know, now it's the norm, but... At that time, it wasn't. Back in the day. Back in the day. In Canton, Ohio. So when did you leave Ohio? I left when I was 18 to move to New York to pursue my dream of dancing on Broadway and then being a Radio City Rockette. Did you study dance as a kid? Yes. I started studying dance at 10 years old. I um, went to a performing arts middle school and fell in love with dance. So I kind of started late. You know, most little girls start ballet at age two or three, and I was 10 and fell in love with it immediately. Listen, so when you get into a 10 and they have like seven years experience on you, is that not intimidating? Um, no, you know, I think because I was at a school, I was at a, a middle school where everyone kind of was starting at that age. So it didn't seem like I was behind. Hmm. So it was okay. When were you exposed to the Rockettes? My dad took our whole family to see the Easter show, which doesn't exist anymore, when I was 12, I think. And that's kind of when I fell in love with the Rockettes. So you'd, you'd been dancing for a couple of years. Yes. By then. Yes. And you're also tall. Yes. How tall are you? I'm 5'11". That's tall. That's tall. Were you always tall? I hit a huge growth spurt my summer of my eighth grade year, and then also again when I was 21, I grew two inches. Oh, really? I know. Isn't that weird? Oh. It doesn't happen very often. No. Yeah. You grew two inches at 21. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. So at 18, you just said, I'm going to New York. I got to be with these Rockettes. At 18, I said to my dad, I really want to go to this musical theater conservatory in New York City instead of real college. And he said, why don't you apply for real college, too? (laughs) Real college. Real college and do a (laughs) four-year undergrad program at a school in Ohio that had a really good theater program. It was in Dayton. So like a little compromise. 
Yes. Well, you and, said no. And I said, <laughs> I will audition there and I'll, I'll see if I can get in. And then I went to audition at these other schools. And I got into this conservatory in New York called AMDA. And I really had to fight for it, actually. I mean, it, I was, again, the fourth kid going off to college. My brother and my sisters all went to, you know, undergrad, Miami University and Ohio University and did, you know, very normal things. And here I was, 18, saying I want to move to New York and dance on Broadway. So they finally gave in, and my dad said, I will 100% support you for these two years, but know that these two years equals the same amount of money that I spent on your brother and your sisters for a four-year degree. So after these two years, Amanda, you're on your own. And so I was like, deal. And luckily, it worked out. (laughs) How did it work out? First of all, how was AMDA? AMDA was fantastic. So what you thought it was going to be? Yeah, actually, it was exactly what I needed, too. It's a two-year conservatory. You focus on dance, singing, acting every single day. And it really helped to round me out because, again, I was a dancer. And so then I really needed the acting training and the singing training. And they really kind of helped me encompass all three areas of becoming a triple threat. And I booked my first Broadway national tour two days before I graduated. For what kind of thing? For the national tour of 42nd Street, which had just revived on Broadway and they were taking it out on the road. Acting, singing, and dancing. Yep. All three. And how was that? So you traveled around? I traveled around the country for a year and a half. And then during that tour, booked the Rockettes. So then I did the Rockettes my first year that Christmas. Wow. You auditioned for the Rockettes? Yes. Okay. Yes. A very intense audition. At my audition, I think there were around 1,000 girls and they needed (sighs) 12. Wow. Yeah. So it's very, very, very competitive. It's like a lottery. Yes. Yeah. And what was that moment like when you found out you got it? It was actually funny because I found I got the call at LAX airport. And when we got off the plane for this trip here to New York, I was holding Elvis and I was walking down the same ramp that I got the call from Radio City. And I said to my husband, I was like, we're going to stop right here. I was like, this is where I found out I was a Radio City Rockette. And he's like, really? And I was like, yep, I got the phone call right here as I was coming off the plane from the auditions. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. And was it everything you thought it was going to be? It was, actually. I met some of my best friends. It was harder, possibly the hardest job I've ever had. It looks so easy. (laughs) Performing. And it's so fun. I mean, to say you get to go to work at Radio City Music Hall every day is pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah, very cool. I don't think I could be a rocket, but for many reasons. But <laughs> You're tall enough. I know, but I don't think I could smile that long. It's the smile. Yeah, and it's the perfection. I mean, you literally have to be a drill sergeant. You you don't stick out at the of the Rockettes. You know, Broadway, you're able to have your own character and your own things that you get to create. And Rockettes is very much like you are one of 36 in a line. You have to be identical. During all this time, what do you do to keep yourself healthy? Because travel is rigorous. Oh, gosh. You mean with when you're doing Rockettes or in uh, general? Both. Uh, traveling with Broadway and then... Oh, okay. So with the Rockettes, it's mostly just about sleep because you're doing up to five or sometimes six shows a day oh, at the time that I was a Rockette. Now they only have four show days. But I was doing five and six shows. So basically, it's just sleeping and then keeping your body as healthy as possible. Make sure you're eating enough, getting massages on your day off, icing your whole body in between shows and after the show just to recover. And it's like, you know, just keeping that. And then when you're on tour with the Broadway show, it's basically the same thing. Just kind of like stay in shape and staying healthy. Hmm. Do you miss those two things? Um, No, I don't, actually. I'm very happy with my new you know, Check career. them off and 
and moved yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get into what you do now? Now you do fitness. Now I do fitness. AK. AK. It took me <laughs> at least six minutes to figure out what AK stands for. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Um, I know, right? Because in chiropractic, it's applied kinesiology. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I'm well, like, oh, it must yeah. be something long and scientific. <laughs> and I like that you said it right. It's AK. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yo. Yeah, exactly. Um, I found fitness because I was, you know, Broadway, you're very up and down. It's, I always say it's a roller coaster of a career because you're in a show and then it gets canceled and then you're out of work. So you're at the high and then the next day you're literally at the bottom of a hill. Mm. And it's fine and it's just kind of your way of life. You get very used to it. And then you are in your 30s and you are kind of like, you know, gosh, I I want a home one day and I want some consistency in my life and I want to start calling a little bit of the shots. I'm so sick of, you know, constantly putting myself out there and getting told no. And, you know, when you're in your 20s and you're sharing an apartment and there's four people in a studio, you're okay because you're like, eh, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm on unemployment. It's fine. (laughs) And then when you're in your 30s, you're like, unemployment's not okay. And, Jesus is really hard. And I like to have some consistency and call my own shots. So I found fitness as a kind of through line that I had income while shows were going in and out of my life. And then I just fell in love with teaching and I fell in love with working with people and helping them achieve their goals. And I just loved fitness. But So, so as a dancer, mm-hmm. you're always kind of doing fitness anyway as right. part of what you do. Yeah. But were you doing other things for fitness as well besides your mm-hmm. dance? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I was because I love the gym and I love fitness classes. So I was that person that would go take ballet class and then also go take a fitness class and then go do my show at night. Yeah. Yeah. That's almost like me. I mean, no, because it would be. I would have lunch, then have a little snack, then have something to eat, and then have um, another lunch. Right. Right. There you go. But you did it on the fitness side. So it was in your 30s that you kind of moved away? Yeah. Well, I was going through a bit of a time. I was married to someone else, and we were going through a divorce unexpectedly. And my Broadway show I was in was also closing, and it was slated to be the next big Broadway show. And it closed really suddenly. So I was 32. My Broadway show was closing. I was going through a divorce, and I didn't have any work. And I was teaching fitness at a studio But in order to make enough money, I couldn't teach more at that studio to survive. So I was kind of at a cross point in my life where I was needing my own thing to make myself feel better about losing my husband and losing my marriage. And then I needed to kind of feel more confident about my career because my Broadway show had been slated to close. And so I was kind of distressed about work. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take a big chance and start my own business. Wow. And how many years ago was that? That was four years ago. Oh, wow. And you've come a really long way. Yeah, I have. I'm pretty proud to say that. I want to learn a lot more about your method Mm -hmm. and then also about your pregnancy and birth and what motherhood has been like for you. Yeah. But we got to take a quick break. All right. We're going to be right back with AK, Amanda (laughs) Klutz. Don't go anywhere. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. 
Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Amanda Klutz, and I'm finding about the 8K workouts. Tell me what goes into an 8K workout. What makes it different? Well, you know, the thing is, is I started my business based off of a jump rope workout that I created. I was teaching fitness at the time, and I fell in love with jumping rope because I read an article about how it burns more calories than running and swimming. And I hate running, and I hate swimming, but hey, I really well, like jumping rope. Now we have something in common. <laughs> <laughs> I really like jumping rope. So I was like, great, I'm going to do some jump rope, and I'm going to incorporate it in my private sessions with my clients. And I was training a client, and she started jumping rope as the warm-up, and I just looked at her, and I was like, you know what? We're not going to put this thing down today. I'm going to see, like, what I can create, how I can use this rope to do arms and legs and abs and cardio and see if I can make a whole hour out of it. And I did, and it was over, and she was like, Amanda, that was really hard. And I was like, I know. I was like, I think this could be a class. And so that's kind of how I launched my business because I wanted to – you know, hit something that hadn't been touched yet. You know, everybody knows what a jump rope is. Everybody probably had one when they were a young kid. And boxers use it, so it's really badass. But you don't have a workout that you can use the jump rope to do everything with. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of found like a hole in this whole workout craze that hadn't been filled. And so that's kind of how I wanted to launch everything because I knew that in a world where fitness is so saturated right now and boutique fitness is so saturated, I was like, what's my in? So I launched my jump rope class, AK Rope, and it was a slow start. There was, you know, one person in class or maybe not even anyone. And I would come home and I would say to my now husband, I was like, you know, I don't get it. Like, this is good. Like, why, are, why isn't it catching on? And then slowly, as press started picking it up and people started coming, it took about eight months and then my classes were completely sold out. So that was kind of the way I started my company. And then my whole dance background, I started my AK dance workout, which is just a bunch of, I, I say it's Jane Fonda meets Britney Spears backup dancer. So perfect for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I need It's like to you're describing me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly how I would describe you. And so that was just, you know, just a blast because I want to try to make women and men feel like they can be in a dance class where they can learn some fun moves and feel sassy, but also get an amazing cardio workout. And then from there, I also started my body workout, which is sort of like I decided to do what a private session would be, but in class form. So that was like how my business started and launched with those classes. Yeah. I mean, your thing is fun. Like you yeah. are fun. And, and I try. What I really hate about working out is it's not fun. It's <laughs> so the opposite of yeah. fun for me. Right. And I look at your videos like on Instagram. You post these amazing videos. Oh, and thank you. There's a few things I know. Number one is you look fake. <laughs> Do people tell you that? Like, you look like a, a machine built to do that. <laughs> people say I look like I'm going to be really nice and it's going to be like a really easy workout. And then they're always surprised at how hard it is. Right. Because yeah. you make it look so easy. Like, right. the moves that you do are so 
flawless. And, oh, well, and, thank you. And there's just like, who moves like that? Well, here's the thing. I think everyone can. And this is what I try to really focus in my classes and I teach. You know, today I was teaching my dance class and everyone was doing the legs, but they weren't doing the arms. And I stopped the class and I was like, you guys, imagine going to a ballet and the ballet dancers weren't using their arms. They did everything with their legs, but like they just weren't using <laughs> their arms. I was like, you would look at that and you would think it would be odd, right? I was like, I'm incorporating your arms so you can tone and work your upper body too. Like you have to use everything. Like make yourself as big as you can. Like use your space. And then they did it and everyone felt so much better. And I was like, guys, come on. I mean, not only did you look better, but it feels better. And one of the girls came up after me and she was like, I was being shy, but like it does. It feels so much better to like really be full out in your dancing. I'm like, yeah. So it's just about being full out. Yeah. I mean, you look like you're enjoying it. I do, that, 100%. That comes through. Yeah, well, thanks. And then you just look like you're you're so aware of, like, all the different parts. Like, I understand your class when they started because I can focus on something, but it's, like, hard to focus on everything at the same time. And for yeah. you, it just seems so natural, all these oh, different movements. Well, thank you. So it's inspiring. I kind of look at it, I'm like, eh, maybe I could try something. You. This is what I also say. I get a lot of people that are like, I don't know, I'm not a dancer, or I don't jump rope. And I promise I take really good care of everyone that comes in my door. I make so, sure I mean, it's it's workable. For yeah, everybody. so it's like different fitness levels, no problemo. No, my classes are like from beginner to advanced, you can come. Can you only do your stuff in class or are there other ways to do it? I have videos on my website that you can purchase so that if you are not in New York or LA, you can definitely come. Or if I just want to be alone in my garage. <laughs> yeah, if you want to be alone in your garage, you can do it. That's where I can that's where I start everything. <laughs> okay, so in the intro, I mentioned the rope and the dance, but then also baby bump. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Sure. Okay, so I got pregnant, and I was a little nervous because I'm, you know, this fitness person, and I have these fitness classes. And I knew I wanted to relate to women that were pregnant, obviously, because it's going to be a huge part of my life for the next nine months. So I got my prenatal and postnatal certification, and I started the AK Baby Bump workouts. And I taught classes live, and then I also put on my website, I have first trimester, second trimester, third trimester workouts for a mom to follow if they were at home. You taught, you did the classes while you were pregnant in yes. those different trimesters? Yes, yeah. Wow. Um, throughout the whole thing. And then in the classes, you can be at any trimester. I would just make sure that I got a poll on which trimester people were in. And then I assisted each, you know, if you're in your first trimester, do it like this. If you're in your second trimester, do it like this. If you're third trimester, you do it like this. Mm -hmm. So I made sure that all my mommies were taken care of. Yes, yeah. modifications, yeah. But to be honest, I was so surprised at how much you can do when you're pregnant. I was looking forward to the challenge and I definitely like took it head on. But I am just amazed by our bodies and I'm amazed at how much you can do if you're having a healthy, safe pregnancy, how much you can really get your body moving. I mean, it's kind of incredible what, what your body does in pregnancy anyway, even yes. if you're not moving. Yeah, I know. It's so right? true. But yeah. then to also, again, go back to your videos, like you look like you in your workouts. With a, with a bump. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I taught up until 34 weeks, 34 or 35, I can't remember. And I was pretty much full out, except for I could do some of the ab exercises I would talk through. But pretty much I was full out and could do everything. Oh, I mean, you wouldn't do them because at the end of pregnancy, right, you were talking exactly. about. Yeah. I mean, did you find yourself having a harder time with breath or... 
Um, Things like that? Yes and no. I definitely had, you know, in my dance cardio class, I had my number one girl. I would point to her whenever I kind of needed to, like, (laughs) she would come into the center and sort of take over, and I would kind of walk around for a second. Um, (laughs) Yes, that definitely, you know, third trimester, that kicked in for sure. I definitely felt a shift in third trimester where I had to take it down a notch. Do you think that these exercises, these bump exercises, could be done with sympathy man bumps? (laughs) Sure, absolutely. Okay, good. Just checking. Yeah, absolutely. How about postpartum? So after you had your baby, Mm -hmm. did you have ideas on how soon you wanted to get back into fitness? Yeah, well, I had uh, a C-section. Which we're going to talk about the whole situation. Yeah, absolutely. So I had to wait that six weeks. And during that six weeks, I really did nothing. I really? listened to my doctor. I just kind of... Was that hard for you? You know, to be honest, no. no. And I thought it might be, but I really enjoyed it. I took it on as kind of like a blessing. I kind of just was like, you know what? When in my life have I been told to not work out Yeah. and that it's okay? I'm still waiting for that time. <laughs> you know, happen. and every day I was just kind of like, you know what? This is kind of nice. It's nice to just, you know, go on a walk and recover and just let my body heal. I took it as a, I can't find the word right now that I'm looking for, but I just kind of let it sink in. Mm. Yeah. And then once you started back, did it just come right back to you? or? It did, ironically, yes. It did come back to me, but I slowly got back in. But once I was cleared, I started with like very slow yoga for mostly just the stretch and just kind of being back in like a class atmosphere. And then I did more like kind of faster walking. And then I started jumping again with my jump rope, like um, tried to just, you know, get back into my 10 minutes a day kind of thing that I was doing. And it How was long great, would you actually. say you know, to feel back like your pre-pregnancy? Eight weeks. About eight, eight weeks. weeks. Yeah. Eight weeks of working out? Uh, no, I would say the six week Two relaxed. weeks of working out. So two weeks. Yeah. I was two weeks. I was back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not with ab stuff, mm-hmm. um, with my cardio and stamina. And I mean, my stamina was not where it was before pre-pregnancy. That's for sure. And my body wasn't either. But I was back teaching feeling great. Hmm. Yeah. And it's also different because you're taking care of a newborn. Yes. Yeah. So, you yes. know, there's only so much you can do because you're. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. You're using your body in lots of other ways now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> um, I want to find out about your pregnancy and birth, yeah. but we're going to take another quick break. Okay. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back All with right. Amanda Klutz. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Amanda Klutz. I'm so curious about your pregnancy. That's when I met you. Yep. I got to see you like twice while you were flying around the country. Yep. And tell me about it. How was pregnancy for you? Pregnancy was pretty great, I'll have to say. Um, How'd you find out you were pregnant? I took a test. Oh, that's the way a lot of people find out. (laughs) And you passed. And I passed. You know, I just had a weird feeling, as most women will say, and took a test, and it was positive. So we were like, okay, oh my gosh, I guess we're doing this. Were you expecting that you might be pregnant or just? We had been trying. Okay. um, And I don't know. I had a weird feeling that, like, I'm going to take this test and it's going to be positive. How did you tell? 
Oh, we were in the bathroom together. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that way. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it came back positive, but it was a test that I had gotten in Italy over the summer. And so I was like, you need to go get another. Like, you need to, the, I, this could be like, you know, I don't know, Italians, maybe they don't know what they're doing. You don't trust international <laughs> pregnancy tests. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to go take the dogs for a walk. I was like, no, you're not. You're going to go to Dwayne Reed. <laughs> you're going to get another test and you're going to come back here. <laughs> uh, and you passed the American bad. test as yeah. well. And uh, how are the different trimesters? for you. They were really great. So first trimester, I really didn't get too nauseous until like the afternoon and I would get pretty tired and then I'd have to go teach at night. So that was kind of hard, but I would teach in the morning and I was okay. And then three o'clock I would get tired and nauseous and then I would teach at night. And I have to say the teaching at night, it was so hard to get myself there. But it made me feel so much better. I oh, would, once you would get once, moving? Yes, yes. And so I always tell women, gosh, if you're nauseous and you're so like, you know, can't get off the couch, I hear you. But what I can say helped me was getting off the couch and moving my body. Not only did I feel better at the end of those workouts, but I would leave there going, gosh, I'm really hungry now and I want something healthy instead of resorting to cheese and bread, which is what I wanted before I left the house. Maybe I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and then did you tell people right away that you were pregnant in your classes or? No, I waited until I was 14 weeks mm -hmm. pregnant when we announced. Yeah. Second try. How was that? Um, second trimester was great. I felt like Wonder Woman. I loved it. I felt like my bump grew at a nice pace. I had a lot of energy. I really enjoyed my second trimester. How was having a bump for you? It was weird. It was weird and not weird, I guess. Um, I liked it. I also, you know, you're finding your way, I think, with the first ones. And you don't start showing too much with your first one either. So, you know, I kind I of think enjoyed. That's extra true if you're tall. Yes. Yeah. I think that helps. Yes. And for extra sure. true if you have abs of steel. Yes. And I was working out a lot. So that helped. But yeah, second trimester was pretty easy. And other than like sleeping was hard. I remember like not being able to get comfortable. And I lay on my back when I sleep a lot. Mm. So and or on my right side, which they're like, you know, lay on your left side. So I remember second trimester, I think the hardest thing was finding my sleep and like those pillows and wedge pillows and so many body pillows. pillows. Yeah, That's so many pillows. Pregnancy is all about the pillows. Yeah. Yes. And then third trimester. Third trimester. Serious bump by this point. Yeah. Third trimester, I remember around 33 weeks it hitting me like, okay, this is getting tough. I'm tired. My teaching schedule, I went down to once a day, whether it was one private a day or one class, that was really all I could manage. And then I would come home and just kind of like chill for the rest of the day. So when you're teaching three times a day, mm -hmm. you're doing the workout three mm -hmm. times a day? Yes. Wow. Yes. Maybe that's but, what I need to do. Maybe I need to become <laughs> a fitness, fitness instructor. Because then at least I'm getting – I'll do anything if I'm getting paid for it. That's right. <laughs> Competing workout <laughs> for middle-aged dads. <laughs> you could. Yeah. yeah. And then so you slow down a little bit. And then when did you think about or did you think about birth, like what you wanted? There's so many choices. I assume in New yeah. York it's uh, similar to here. You can yes. have home birth, hospital birth, birthing center birth, birth oh, in a yes. U-Haul truck on the side of the road, whatever yes. you want. Midwives, doctors, medicated, <sighs> unmedicated, surgical, <laughs> yeah. vaginal, it goes on. Yeah. The whole time I thought about it, actually, and I would go in and out of what I would want. When I first got pregnant, I was on um, – 
my insurance through my business. Mm. So I had to find all new doctors based on that insurance, which was pretty bad. It was the insurance that I could afford through my business, really high co-pays. Luckily, about halfway through, I could get on my husband's insurance with SAG, and then that kind of really helped change the game. Screen Actors Guild. Yeah. But at the same time, now I was already with like this whole doctor's group. I was more than halfway into my pregnancy. So at the time, I was thinking, oh, gosh, maybe I want to switch to a midwife. I had this whole midwife crisis around 38 weeks. You said midwife crisis. Midwife crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Because my doctor got pregnant and and went on maternity leave and said she was coming back and then didn't come back because she was like, never mind. I don't want to come back. I want to stay at home with my baby. And so I was in a practice of doctors where at 38 weeks, I was going to choose my doctor. And that was like really hard. And so that's where I had a midwife crisis where I was like, maybe I want to actually just then switch to a midwife and do like a midwife route. The hospital I was with as one of the only New York hospitals that allows midwives to deliver. Oh, so so you can have a midwife at the hospital. Yes. So I was really going through this whole battle within my head. And my sister, who was also pregnant, who had already given birth, was like, you know what, Amanda, you're almost at 40 weeks. You're almost done. I'm sorry, I was 28 weeks when this midwife crisis was happening. Um, And she was like, you're almost there. You know, she's like, you have 10 more weeks to go. You're almost at 40 weeks. She was like, just stay with your doctor. Even though you haven't picked your doctor, you've seen them all at least once. Pick one, start seeing them for the last 10 weeks, and you'll be great. And so that's the route I did. And I did love my practice and all the doctors there. And I don't regret doing that choice, but but that's what I did. Did you have a vision for birth? Although, so now in a hospital with a doctor. Yeah. You know, my vision for birth, honestly, was just going with the flow and listening to to my body (laughs) and listening to my baby. Yeah, I know. Creepy. And trusting my doctor. Yeah. Um, I know. I was not in the norm. But I also had been training pregnant women for so long. And um, you heard the stories. Yeah, I heard the stories. And I knew that you couldn't really plan. You can plan, but you also can't really plan because you don't have any idea what's actually going to happen that day. So I just kind of decided to take the route of planning on listening to my doctor, being at a hospital, and trying to just stay in the moment. How'd it go? It went great, actually. How'd it start? Um, It was super long. Long. (laughs) It started at night on a Friday night. At around nine, I started feeling contractions. And Where were you in relation to your estimated due date? My due date was June 10th, and this was June 9th. Oh, so one day before. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, No, I'm so sorry. He was born on the 10th. This was June 8th. My due date was June 9th. So Friday night at 39 weeks and five days. Yeah. You started having contractions? Yes. I started having contractions. And I was at home, luckily. So we just started doing everything that we learned in childbirth class. My husband was massaging my back. I had a birthing ball. And I was trying to just kind of take deep breaths. I took a hot shower. And we called my doctor that night. And she was like, you know, great. You're doing everything right. Let's check in in the morning and see how you're doing in the morning. And that whole night, I kept having contractions, and I was sleeping in and out. But by 7 a.m. that next morning, they were about five minutes apart, the contractions, and 
pretty strong,、mm-hmm. and I was anxious to have my baby, so I was like, "Let's go to the hospital and see what they say." So we did. We went to the hospital. I went to triage, and they checked me out, and they were like, "You're definitely having contractions, and you're actually like, wow, super strong because your contractions are actually kind of strong." But come back when your contractions are like two or three minutes apart,、mm-hmm. instead of five and six minutes apart. And I was like, okay. I was like, man, bombed. But not you know, excited to go home. Not excited to go home, just because I was so excited to do it. But we went home, and I had contractions that whole day. And by the time night rolled around, around 10 p.m., they were like really strong. I was still dealing with them fine. But the whole day had been spent basically a rotation of hot shower, massage for my husband, trying to sleep, and then like repeat the cycle, walking around the neighborhood. But they were pretty intense. This was at 10 p.m. Called the doctor again. She goes, "Honey, I love you, but the fact that you're like talking to me in a normal voice, <laughs> you just gotta like stay at home."、Uh-huh. And I was like, "Dang it!" <laughs> She was like, "Try to get some sleep, eat something in the morning, and then see how you're doing in the morning. Call me back." So that night, my contractions were pretty bad, and I barely slept. Woke up, had a nice breakfast, got in the shower, tried to do everything I could. But in this point, I was like in tears. I was in so much pain. I was、oh. exhausted because I had now again been having contractions since 9 p.m. on Friday, Friday night, night. Before, yeah. And this is now my due date. Two days later. Two days later. So we call my doctor. I'm like in tears. She was like, "Okay, go to the hospital, and I'll call the attending doctor who's on." She was like, "I actually get in that night." She was like, "But the attending doctor is on," and I loved the attending doctor that was on. Actually, in fact, that was the two doctors that were my favorite from the practice. And so I we got into triage. They took me right in and started admitting me.、Hmm. And、yes. Then. So I was like, "Oh my gosh, okay, like this is." I had never been in a hospital before ever, so I was a bit overwhelmed. But they started, you know, doing all of the process and hooking me up to everything and getting me ready in the hospital gown and everything. And they came in and she checked me and she was like, "You are only one centimeter dilated." Oh wow! And I was like, "That has、You've、to be like a ton of bricks!" Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, and so. She said, "Listen," she said. Here's what I suggest. She goes, "You've been in labor now for 32 hours, and you're dealing with pretty strong contractions. I suggest that you get the epidural, and you'll be able to rest." And she said, "I also at the same time want to put a balloon in you to open up your cervix." She said, "By the time this is all done in three hours," she said, "you should be about four centimeters dilated, and it'll really help to get the process moving along." She goes, "You've been in pain for 32 hours. You need to rest in order to be able to push this baby out." I was totally okay with getting the epidural. I was hoping that the epidural would happen later, like at five or six centimeters.、Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I saw her point because I'm still having contractions that are pretty strong every five minutes, and I'm exhausted. So I was like, honestly, doctor, I was like, I trust you. Let's do it. So she gave me the epidural, put the balloon in. I passed out. I wake up three hours later. She pulls the balloon out. I'm four centimeters dilated. My water breaks right、oh. away, so my water breaks, and I go to six centimeters really quickly. So things are like moving and grooving, and the doctor's happy. I'm It's exciting. Doing, I'm yeah. I'm doing well. I'm like feeling great. She's like, honey, by midnight tonight, we should have a baby. And I'm like, oh my god. 
<laughs> she's like, if you feel okay with this, she was like, I'd love to start doing some Pitocin to get your contractions stronger. And this is just going to help the process move a little bit faster. And I said, totally fine. And so she puts the Pitocin and I go back to sleep. She goes, I'm going to check in you in three hours. Great. So three hours later, she comes back. And she checks my cervix, and I'm still six centimeters no dilated. Change. So I oh. haven't changed. She was like, okay. She was like, I'm going to up the Pitocin, and I'm going to come back in three more hours and check you. So she does that. And during this three hours, though, the nurse is coming in, and I'm kind of in and out of sleep. I'm constantly changing positions. What I did like at this time, and actually the whole time, is I could 100% feel my legs anytime they needed to lift my hips. I had the strength to put my feet down, lift my hips to change the catheters or change anything that I needed to do. I was switching from side to side. At one point, like I had my leg up, they had these really cool like uh, stirrups, stirrups, but the stirrups could like maneuver and there was like this like pillow. So at one point I had on my side, but my legs were elevated. So I was constantly moving and switching positions, which made me feel good because it was something that I was hoping I was able to do. But I had for some reason thought that the epidural would not allow me to move around like that. Oh, yeah. In bed you could. A lot of people can. So I didn't know that. So I was really happy about all of that. So I have the Pitocin. We're waiting for another three hours. She comes back in. So now this has been six hours. Of Pitocin. Of Pitocin. I am still six centimeters. I have not budged. Any thoughts on why at that point? So I did not have any thoughts. But she came in, the doctor came in, and she was like, for some reason, every time I try to push the Pitocin up, the heart rate of the baby goes goes down. down." Yeah. Yes, goes down. She goes, Amanda, you are on a six right now of Pitocin. I can take you up to a level 30 Pitocin. Anytime I try to go up to an 8 or a 10, that's when the heart rate goes down. And she's like, and I don't like that. Uh. She was like, now what's happening is I need to push the Pitocin to make your contractions stronger to help things move along because for some reason your cervix isn't opening. And she was like, I don't want to play with the Pitocin anymore. So she was like, I'm going to check on something. I'm going to go out and I'll come back in a second. So I look at my husband and I was like, I have a feeling she's going to come back in and say that she suggests that we do a C-section. And I said, what do you think about that? I said, I'm okay with this if that's what she is suggesting, but I'm sure that this isn't what you are thinking, what is going to happen. And I said this to him because, again, I had heard so many birth stories and I had been around so many women that had C-sections unplanned. And so I had heard these stories. So I was kind of like in my head thinking that this is what she might say. But I knew my husband hadn't been privy to all these birth conversations. Mm -hmm. And he was pretty shocked. And he was like, are you sure this is, you know, and I was like, I have a feeling this is what's going to happen. And I said, I need you to be on board because I'm on board. I'm okay. It's been 52 hours at this point. I'm exhausted. If you told me you had to cut off my right arm, I would be like, let's do this. Um, So she came back in and she said exactly what I thought she was going to say. And she was like, I don't know why this is happening with the baby's heart rate. But she was like, not only is his heart rate going down, I'm also worried about you. It's been a long time. It's 52 hours. You're exhausted. You haven't eaten anything. 
And I think it's just time that we get your little boy out safe and sound. She's like, what I like about this is it's not an emergency. I'm not going to like wheel you over there right now and get you hooked up. She was like, I actually want you to rest for two more hours and we're going to set everything up and we're going to slowly take you off Pitocin and get the room ready and get you ready. She was like, we have a C-section happening right now. So just kind of like chill out. So I was like, okay, let's do this. And I was okay. Like I definitely was wanting to push my baby out vaginally, but at the same time, I knew that for some reason that was not going to be the way it was going to happen. And I was also exhausted and I was like, let's do this. Let's get him out safe and sound. So we waited a couple hours. They wheeled me in. We did the C-section. And when she pulled him out, the cord was wrapped around his leg. Oh, his leg. Yeah. And Mm. so as she was pulling him out, you know, because I could see, she was like, Amanda, she was like, this is why his heart rate And she unwrapped the cord and he had a little bit of mucus in his lungs that she said um, would have been pushed out with a vaginal birth. Like that is common, I guess, with C-sections where you have some fluid in the lungs. So he went right to NICU and I went to recovery. Hmm. How was recovery? Recovery was pretty intense. Again, I had never been in the hospital, never had a surgery, never had anything done to my body. So... We got into recovery. I was pretty much comatose. I was so tired and in like a little recovery room and then finally got wheeled into my room that I was be in. And I was bleeding pretty heavily and the nurses came in and they were like, you know, why don't you rest? And I was like, I'm going to go see my son. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I managed to pull myself up and get myself in a wheelchair and my husband wheeled us into NICU so I could see Elvis. Oh, this does not surprise me at all. (laughs) I had blood like coming down my leg and I was like, I don't care. (laughs) You're amazing. (laughs) Well, thanks. Well, I learned a lot from you. Thank you. I'm inspired by you. Thanks. That's why I watch your videos all the time <laughs> on Instagram. They just, they do. They Like I watch your videos and they're oh, energizing well, and inspiring. And thank you so make much. Make you want to go move and see if it's fun. Thank you. So I appreciate you. Where can we find you online? You can find me on amandaklutz.com. AK. AK. Thanks for joining us. Thank and you. at home, thanks for listening to us. If you would like more parenting and pregnancy media, visit informedpregnancy.com.